Hi there, I'm Brian, and this is another episode of What Should I Do With My Life. This episode features Jackie Luo, who is currently a software engineer at Nihilus, a startup that is working on building the future of email. She's also currently taking some time off from her studies at Columbia, and is going back to finish her degree up in the spring. In this episode, we discuss what working at a very small startup is like, to how she got into programming starting her second year of college, and what it's like to take time off from school. Hope you enjoy it. So welcome to the podcast. Um, do you want to start off by giving a quick introduction about yourself? Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Jackie Liu. I'm a software engineer at a startup called Nihilus. Um, and I'm also, I guess, on leave of absence from Columbia University, where um, I'm sort of a senior. Sort of a senior. Yeah. Um, awesome. Uh, do you want to explain that a little bit more? Sure. Um, yeah, like uh, a year ago, I guess, around... Um, that time I decided to take a leave of absence to intern at Nihilus, um, actually, and I, uh, took the semester off and then uh, I got a full-time job offer from them around April and decided to extend my time there, um, another six months and then go back to school and graduate and then go back and work. <laughs> awesome. So maybe do you want to first give everyone an introduction to what Nihilus is and what they do. I don't know if how many yeah, people yeah. heard of it. No, for sure. Um, yeah, Nihilus is like a, a pretty small startup. We're like 15 people and um, we work on email. So I work on an, uh, an email client that's like open source and extensible. Um, it was originally like a fork of Adam, GitHub's code editor. And uh, the other product that we build is the API, which um, is basically like a set of email APIs that make it really easy to um, for developers to build tools on top of like people's email. So, um, email, like calendar contacts, sort of all of those things for Gmail exchange and IMAP. Cool. So how's it different from say your no normal email client, like Gmail or Outlook? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess the main thing is that it's like a desktop app, um, compared to Gmail, um, and it's extensible. So people like build plugins for it. Um, it's really easy for us to build plugins for it because everything like in the app is actually built that way. Like our thread list and our composer and whatever, those are all just like their own sort of packages, um, which makes it very easy for us to change things, add things, remove things, um, and for people to sort of tailor it to what they need. Um, the thing we're working on right now is basically sort of building like tools for specific use cases. So like currently like sales, for instance, um, is one thing where people like live in their emails but uh, don't have like great tools for, um, I don't know, like syncing back their emails and uh, getting context from their emails about like um, data from other sources and things like that. So how did you first hear about Nihilus and what prompted you to like seek a job there? Yeah, um, I did not actually. I uh, heard about their product launch in like last November and I was looking for a new email client because I used to be like very into mailbox and then I got like kind of terrible um, like around that time and so I was looking for an email client and then they like released theirs and I thought it was really cool and I tweeted about it and the CEO, Michael, um, I don't know, emailed me and asked me if I wanted to interview um, and I thought it sounded cool. That's a pretty unconventional way to, to get a job. <laughs> um, do you recommend doing that sort of thing to people? Um, yeah, I guess. I think, like, 
it wasn't like I was really looking for a job with them, which I guess was kind of like the, the cool thing. It was just something that I was interested in and happened to work out. Um, I think like it's good to sort of like be engaged, especially like Twitter. I think Twitter is such like a great tool for that kind of thing where you can just kind of talk to like random people and like meet new people and uh, hear about new things. Um, this kind of thing I feel like has happened to me a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or, like, you know, in terms of, like, meeting, like, people, like, I think, like, a lot of my friends now, I think I, like, met, like, not met through Twitter necessarily, but um, I, like, knew them maybe sort of tangentially in real life and ended up getting, like, really close to them because of Twitter. Hmm. Do you have any, like, strategies for (laughs) doing Twitter? How do you tweet well? Um, I, I think people take themselves too seriously on Twitter. I do this often also because it feels like you're like on this like big platform and have to say like important things and um, contribute and like whatever. And I think it's usually better just be like natural and like, you know, like be funny, like whatever. Um, I think the number one thing that made me like start using Twitter more because I like I used to hate Twitter like a couple years ago and even a year ago, I like didn't really use Twitter at all. Um, was just, like, following the right people, um, unfollowing, like, a lot of the people who are not interesting on Twitter, but, like, I thought were cool in real life and stuff like that. Cool. Um, so let's go back to Nihilus. Um, so Nihilus is around 15 people. How big is the engineering team? Probably, like, 12 or 13. Um, it's, it's, like, a pretty engineering-heavy company. Um, we have like a head of business development and like an office manager um but i think that's mainly it for non-technical roles cool uh so what does the what do the other engineers in terms of like experience background what what are what do they look like in terms of that yeah um i think it's like a pretty young company um because uh, Michael and Spang, the other co-founder of the company, um, she's our CTO, uh, like started the company when they were like pretty young and like were recruiting a lot from like, you know, their friends from MIT and things like that. Um, and so they have like, everyone has like, you know, I, cause everyone has more experience than I do. Um, but they, uh, usually haven't worked at like a ton of companies, maybe like one or two, like prior to joining Nihilus. Um, and I think we're like just looking for something small and like with, with people who are doing something interesting when they joined. Hmm. So what's it like being the sort of most inexperienced person at a company at like, I guess, assume like the smaller startup gives you a ton of responsibility. Yeah. Is What is that like? Um, it's really cool. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like having responsibility and I think like I like having like responsibility in like a range of areas. Um, I do think especially in terms of engineering like my main like purpose is sort of just to like soak things up um and like learn a lot from other people um just because there's like you know so much this is like I I guess for me like essentially my first um real like engineering role so it's been um like a huge amount of learning like a bunch of different areas and I think that's been like sort of ideal cool um so I think a lot of people, when they think about startups, they think about um, sort of a lack of mentorship. Or I've talked to a lot of people recently who have considered 
you know, going to either like a big company or a very small company and the common sort of argument against a smaller one is you won't necessarily learn as much from the other experienced people. Do you think that's true at all? Um, I think it probably depends on the company. I don't think that was really the case for me. Um, everyone like at Nihilus is like insanely willing to like take like hours out of their day to help debug something or like figure out like how we should, um, architect something or whatever, um, which I really like. And I guess on top of that, I've never really been someone who, um, learns from like, I don't know, like watching people or listening to people or whatever, like I learn best by doing things. And I think like that makes like a startup, like a better fit for me. Um, and probably other people who, who are the same way, because I think the kind of mentorship, like the very sort of structured mentorship that exists at like larger companies, um, I would probably benefit from less. Yeah, cool. Um, and so what does your day-to-day look like at a startup? Is it mostly coding the entire time or do you have to do like a lot of other things? Um, also depends on like the week, I guess, but it's, it's like, I would say majority writing code and then, um, doing code review, like having meetings about like how we want to build something. Um, I'm involved in a lot of our recruiting, so I do a lot of interviews and then, like, I don't know, discussions about, like, people we should be pursuing and, like, people we interviewed and, like, whether we want to get them an offer and things like that. Um, And then occasionally I, like, dabble in other random things, like, um, you know, like, some marketing, social media stuff or, like, some design stuff or whatever. Well, And how do you decide what to work on? Does someone tell you what to do or do you kind of you know, yourself figure it out? Um, probably a mix. Um, depend, like, less someone telling me what to do and more sort of, like, shaped by, like, need, like, what needs to happen next um, and uh, how I think that should proceed. Um, like, one thing, like, that's, like, sort of one of our, I don't know, company values is that, like, the company is, like, a duocracy, which means, like, you gain ownership of, over something by, like, just doing it. Um, Interesting. <laughs> and so it's less like, you know, like, like you don't get responsibility over something by just sort of like being assigned it or whatever. It's like, you have to sort of follow through. Um, and like, I guess like inversely, like you can gain ownership over something by like deciding that you, this is going to be the thing that you're going to like dedicate time to. Hmm. So do you have certain things at the company that you own right now? Um... So, like, you know, like, often there will be, like, features or whatever that I'm, like, responsible for. Um, I um, was pretty heavily involved with, like, recruiting things. And so, like, I had, like, you know, like, responsibility for certain schools and for, um, like, certain sort of strategies, I guess. Like, I uh, am involved in some of the things, like... um, blog posts and social media and things like that. Yeah. For recruiting, I guess, since you are at a very small place that maybe not too many people have heard of, I imagine it's kind of hard to compete with the, you know, Googles and Facebooks of the world. Um, So what kind of strategy do you guys have? (laughs) Um, I think like the main thing is that we, we like really sell the people on our team because it's like, just like a really great team. Like people are, you know, smart and humble and, have a lot of self-awareness and um i don't know are just fun to hang out with 
and there's like sort of a, a sense of closeness that I don't think like you really get at a larger company um, and that's like normally like the big selling point for like anyone who joins um, I think like there's you know there are also like a lot of people who are coming out of like Facebook and Google and Apple and everything who um, like are looking for something smaller and for whatever reason they're like over like big companies and they want to do something sort of like new and like different from um, that experience so that's also not um, that hard I guess cool and how about um, interviewing people is it strange to be interviewing people when you were technically still a student yeah <laughs> Um, it was definitely strange initially because I felt like I was, you know, like 21 and I'd be interviewing people like a decade older than me who like also had way more engineering experience. Um, but I think like after a couple interviews, I was like, oh, like this is, you know, not bad because when you, when you stay in the scope, especially of like some, like certain questions, um, you and like especially asking them like over time you get to sort of develop like a baseline for what's like a good answer what's like a bad answer the things you want to look for and things like that um and I think also for me personally um I I also like play maybe a bigger role in um sort of reading the people in terms of like what they want out of their careers and whether they'd be like a good addition to the team and things like that so do you have any advice for people that are doing interviews right now? I'm, I actually started interviewing as well. And after being on the other side, it's yeah. becomes very clear, like the mistakes <laughs> that people make. Um, um, so I'm curious if you have any insights there. Yeah. I think like a lot of people overthink questions, um, which I get, like I, I definitely did that when I was interviewing, um, like with companies and, um, I think that like disproportionately hurts you, even if you're like, you know, like doing equivalently the same things, the sort of like, uh, like overthinking questions and, um, like, I guess like demonstrating that like lack of confidence, like, it, I don't know, like it, it's like damaging, even though it probably shouldn't be. Um, and I think also just like being very vocal is usually good. Um, some people are, I don't know, like, like we'll silently read questions and like answer questions and you don't really get any sense of like their thought process. Um, and also good questions, good questions like about the company and everything at the end of the interview, I think are, are really important. And like most people ask very generic ones. Um, yeah. So is it when people ask generic questions, is it a negative signal or is it kind of like, you don't like give them negative points for this sort of thing or and when they give they ask good questions you give them like positive points or yeah. does it actually hurt people too <laughs> um it, it hurts people to ask bad questions for sure like like actively bad questions okay <laughs> um, uh i think like, if they're just generic then like it doesn't really count against them but it's sort of like a lost opportunity to you know demonstrate like like this person is you know like really interested in like this certain thing or um, clearly knows a lot about the company or whatever. Um, and I think that uh, like that also kind of only works if you're being sincere. I think that's like sort of the hard part when you're interviewing with like, I don't know, like 20 places, you can't like summon this 
genuine <laughs> curiosity for all of them. Yeah, cool. Uh, so I'm curious to hear if you think there are any misconceptions about working at a startup. Um, so I think the stereotype of a startup is one where you're like working in an apartment, um, <laughs> having a lot of fun, yet working really hard. I don't know. Whatever people uh-huh. have. I think of a social network a sure. lot. Um, I think a lot of it is like true to some extent. Um, I think like we care a lot about work-life balance, so it's not like everyone just is there like super late every day. Um, and we don't work in an apartment. (laughs) Um, but apart from that, it's not like inaccurate, right? Like I think like some of the, the connotations maybe are, um, of like, you know, what it means to be working at, like, a small company and, like, what it means to be, like, in, like, kind of a riskier environment and, um, I don't know, like, like, what you said earlier about, like, lack of mentorship and things like that, um, like, it sort of depends on how you frame it. If you frame it, like, in the context of, like, these things are better at a big company or at a startup, then it's, like, that's like a negative, but for me, they've like mostly been sort of positives. Hmm. Interesting. So what is the work-life balance? Like how, how long are you expected to work every day? Um, expected probably, uh, like eight hours. Oh, so it's pretty, pretty normal. Yeah. It's very normal. Like, you know, like sometimes people stay late, like depends, like a lot of, like I, you know, I'm on call sometimes, um, we have like, I don't know, occasionally like maybe there's like something we need to finish, but like the expected is definitely not like unreasonable at all. Hmm. Interesting. How about the sort of mood in terms of the future of the, the company? I know. So when I worked at a, mm-hmm. a five person startup, yeah. um, it was really interesting because you would always be worried about, are we going to be alive next <laughs> year, the two years afterwards? Yeah. Um, how do you guys deal with that? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I think like for me, I tend to be sort of, I think I have like very sort of reasonable expectations about like what, um, like I should, I guess like expect, (laughs) but I, I, you know, like I'm also just like, you have to like work, um, with the assumption that like you know, there'll be, like, another year, and, like, the product will grow, the company will grow, etc. Um, I think that's probably, like, hard for people. Um, I can definitely imagine, because I feel like uh, it's a little bit of, like, double think, I guess, in the sense that, like, you, you sort of have to hold these, like, two conflicting views, where it's, like... Um, like the company might not be around in like six months or a year, um, but you have to like work uh, with the assumption that it's going to be like super successful, like whatever. Um, but I think that's also just kind of how like a lot of things in life work. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> like expect the worst and hope for the best. For sure. Uh, so I guess another big topic when thinking about companies, specifically tech companies, a lot of people talk about culture these days. Um, so how would you describe the culture at Nihilus? Mm. So again, I, I'm like not always super sure what 
people mean by culture. Um, I think, I, I guess, like, okay, like, just on a day-to-day -day level, like, the, um, the people are, you know, very sort of thoughtful, um, take and give criticism really well, um, like, care a lot about being, like, social on, like, a personal level, um, like, we spend a lot of time together, and I think it's, like, a, a very, like, inclusive group of people, um, and I guess in terms of, like, uh, engineering culture, um, we value sort of, like, building things quickly, shipping things quickly, um, sometimes setting, like, unreasonable, like, deadlines, timelines for things, and then, like, maybe, like, meeting them or, like, you know, surpassing them or whatever, um, which is kind of cool. Awesome. Um, so now let's go into a bit of a different side of things. Um, so you decided to take a leave of absence from mm -hmm. Columbia. Uh, how did you decide to do that? Um, I think it just sounded like it was a much bigger deal than it ended up being. Um, like taking a leave of absence is like, you know, you you really lose nothing um, from doing it. Like it's, you know, totally fine with the school. Like we, we can have up to two years um, out of like full-time enrollment. And other than that, like, I guess, like, you know, so there may be, like, social ramifications for me. Like, I decided to graduate um, at the same time as, like, all the people in my class. So that wasn't really an issue. Um, and the upside was, like, pretty high because I, you know, I wanted to move to San Francisco and, like, see what that was like. I wanted to work at a startup. I wanted to gain engineering experience. Um, and all of those things, I think, like, really far outweighed, like, the kinds of things that was, like, gaining in school. Um, at least for me, because I, I, I think I was like pretty like frustrated slash burned out with school, um, by the fall semester of my junior year, which is like when I left. Um, and I, I definitely think it was like sort of the right call to like, just like decide to take time off and do something that like I actually cared about and like I actually felt passionate about. Um, which, you know, I don't know, it, it sounds like scarier than it is, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So how come you didn't decide just to completely drop out of school? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think like for me, it was like there was one semester left or I could essentially do everything in one semester. Um, and I'd already like, you know, committed like this much time. And I think having a degree still matters to some people. Um, and so it sort of just seemed like, why not? Um, and it was, you know, nice for me to be able to like, I think like going back and like finishing and just like being able to spend like a couple more months with friends and in New York, um, were all sort of like upsides, but I think like I, if, society as a whole cared less about college degree, I like might have just dropped out, I guess. Um, I think like that's the main thing that like even if I don't care that much, like other people do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and have you thought about what you want to do after school yet? 
do you want to come back to Nihilus or are you searching? Um, the plan is to come back. Um, this was like sort of just like a thing that we discussed, agreed upon, whatever. Um, when I joined that I was going to be like gone for a couple months to go back to school. Um, yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, so now let's shift gears again um, and talk about maybe how you got into tech and software engineering. Mm-hmm. So how did you get into tech and software engineering? Um, I guess these are kind of separate stories. Like I got really into tech like um, probably when I was eight or nine um, and I was just like super, super interested in like tech and like tech companies. Um, I really wanted to start a company myself and I was not at all interested in like computer science. Um, and I got to Columbia and I joined like uh, core of the Columbia Organization of Rising Entrepreneurs and met like a lot of founders and um, people who were, you know, doing cool things in tech in New York. And I guess I sort of um, like thought that, yeah, like it's, it's probably like pretty important to like understand um, engineering before you start like a tech company. Um, and so I took like an intro CS class like my sophomore year and like kind of just like uh, enjoyed it and then I don't know sort of like went all in I guess. <laughs> A lot of people that I've talked to whenever they haven't started programming in like before college and they get to college yeah. and like I haven't I don't know how to code at all. I yeah. like, don't think I should even try because I'm so far behind everyone else but it sounds like you're you didn't even start in the first year of college. You started in the second year. Yeah. Um, did that thought ever come up to you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think like that kind of inertia happens a lot just with people in general. I think, um, it's very easy to, to feel like because you haven't done something, you never will, which is like a strange way of looking at things, but like fairly normal, I think. Um, And for me, it was like, I tried it and I was like, this is like a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And I don't know what I expected, but, um, I think that's like a pretty, um, like common experience with people where it's like, you know, code is like sort of seen as this, um, like you have to be like super smart and it's like very like difficult to understand. And like, to some extent, like, sure it can be, but, um, for me, like CS kind of just like is a mechanism for um, transmitting your thoughts to like a computer, sort of. Um, and so it's like very sort of logical and it's like there's not really a reason why like any person like can't do it. Um, I definitely think getting rid of that sort of like intimidation factor is important. Yeah. Um, and then how did you get from, you know, not knowing how to program before sophomore year of college to having a full-time job in like two years. Do you, do you think you did anything particular to help you get there? Or you just follow the normal like coursework and whatnot? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I think like I, I did a lot of stuff outside of school. Um, I, I don't know, like I committed to like writing code every day and built like a lot of my own projects. Um, and in general, like I felt like the stuff I was learning in school was like like sort of interesting but not at all applicable I think to anything I like wanted to do 
Um, and I, I, I like vastly prefer just like, you know, learning stuff on my own. Um, I, yeah, I think it's like, it's, it's hard because I feel like it's a lot to ask of people to do that. Um, and it like probably best case scenario would be for school to be just like a little bit more applicable. Um, but it's definitely like a, a good way of learning. I think it's like a good way to sort of accelerate your growth. Um, just to sort of like commit to like teaching yourself and like figuring things out. So how many hours did you commit to it? Um, there wasn't like any sort of set time, I guess. Um, it fluctuated a lot. I used to like basically like work on my own like projects and things when I was bored, <laughs> like with, with like homework. Um, but yeah, I think like just like a little thing, like working on anything basically every day is like bound to make you better. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I agree. Uh, so, uh, Going back to college, um, so I don't know if you mentioned this already, but I, you're not you're studying philosophy, yeah. right? Um, why philosophy? Um, yeah, so I came into college planning to study a, a dual major in econ philosophy and then a double major, like another major in information science, and I took macro economics. Um, didn't like it, so I was like, okay, econ's out, and then. I um, was doing a double major in philosophy and computer science and that was like fine and then I think like around the time that I decided that I was um, gonna take the full-time job at Nihilus I realized that it wasn't really feasible to to like accept a full-time job um, with like the the other like the extra like year year and a half it would take to finish both my majors and it seemed sort of silly to be like worrying about like finishing a CS major um, when it was like you know like like that was basically like my my full time job. You already right? had the job. <laughs> so, um, and so like philosophy is something that I just like love since high school, like since like like ninth grade, um, and I think like I have always sort of valued that kind of. Um, learning in school more than like the kind of like a more applicable learning because I, I learned that better just by doing stuff and like philosophy is not really something that like it's not really something you can um just sort of learn by doing something um and so I felt like I would just get the most out of like both like school and like my job and everything um by just deciding to do philosophy on its own cool and do you think philosophy helps you at all in your day-to-day -day life or is it just something to think about for fun um I think so I remember thinking like philosophy was like bizarrely similar to CS in a lot of ways when I was when I was doing both majors um just like it's uh it's not like you know like like there aren't like huge parallels but I think like in terms of I remember I was taking symbolic logic and discrete math at the same time and they were like like weirdly like similar and I remember like doing homework assignments where I was doing the exact same thing for both classes and I was like this is interesting um and just the kind of thinking that you do in philosophy is also like pretty similar in the sense that you're like basically structuring arguments and 
it's like very sort of logic based um you spend a lot of time like thinking about like edge cases and things like that which is like something that like I basically spend my life doing now which is (laughs) (laughs) which is super fun um and so there was just sort of a lot that like actually mapped over like decently well and it's just sort of like in terms of um like the rigor of your thinking I guess um which CS does but like in like a slightly like less direct way or I don't know less more direct way um, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, so besides school and programming, did you, or school as in the sense of like doing classes and studying, um, did you do anything else um, in your time at Columbia that you thought was really valuable that you would like recommend for other people to try and do? Hmm. Um, so in general, I think like it's good to get involved with student groups, um, like, you know, like involved student groups, because I feel like that's like sort of a huge way to like learn things and like meet people who are interested in the same things that you're interested in. So core was kind of that for me. Um, and that was like much less about like programming and much more about like, you know, what it is to like start a company and, um, like, meeting people who are just, like, doing cool things and, like, had kind of taken, like, this, like, you know, it's not, like, a huge risk, but, um, it's, it's at least risky enough for, like, most people not to do it, um, um, and I got really into fashion, um, my, like, freshman and sophomore years of college, um, which was cool because, that gave me sort of like a very sort of different outlet for like creativity. Like I, I did a lot of photography actually, um, in high school. Um, and so getting to do that in New York, um, with like the whole sort of fashion industry there, um, getting to go to fashion week and things like that was great. Um, I think like people don't invest enough in like their personal growth and like those kinds of like separate different areas, like things that maybe you never want to do like professionally or like that will never like, have like some sort of return for you, but, um, that you care about. Uh, I think that's important to have. Cool. Um, and then now to go on to maybe the last portion of this segment, um, do you have any, you know, like resources that you recommend for people, whether that's like blogs to read, Twitter people to follow or any books, et cetera, um, that have like helped you in any way? In any way. Um, There's a kind of, this is random, but, um, there is this, this, uh, woman who gave this talk at XOXO, which is like this conference thing that happened a couple months ago. Um, and her name is Jen Schiffer. Um, I think that talk was really great. Um, it's, it's sort of generically about like what it is to be like a woman on the internet and like, in some sense, like a prominent woman who, um, doesn't take things too seriously like she writes a lot of sort of satire and people like don't get it um and I thought that was really interesting because um I don't know like I, I, I identified with that like really strongly um that's a good that's a good talk to watch it's like half an hour it's like really funny um and then let's see books there are a lot of really good books um trying to think about what I've read recently. 
I guess like uh, the thing. Okay, so the things that I like follow like on a regular basis, like newsletter. I subscribe to like Stratechery. I don't know how it's it's supposed to be pronounced. Um, oh, I thought a straight cherry for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Is this supposed to be like strategy, but like with tech? But I don't know. I don't know. Um, and like the information, like term sheet, um, things like that, which are just sort of like daily update kind of things. Um, there are like a lot of really like great people on Twitter. Um, my favorite Twitter is probably Mike Isaac. Um, he's a reporter for the New York Times. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think there's like sort of a crazy amount of resources, so it's sort of hard to um, keep up, but like spending like probably a little bit of time like finding like cool people on Twitter is is I think definitely worth it. Thanks. Um, and do you have any last like pieces of advice, tips, anything? Um, yeah, I think like don't like don't take these life decisions that seriously. I think like especially with especially with first jobs, I guess people tend to think that it's sort of like the make or break thing for their life. Like, like, you know, this happens like when you apply to colleges and I guess it happens again, like when you're applying for jobs and it sort of feels like if you don't get like whatever dream job, um, like that's sort of like setting a terrible tone for the rest of your career. And I think that's like really silly because, um, it ends up being this sort of like very, you know, like flexible thing like you you know can always sort of get like a different job or like do something totally like unrelated to what you're doing now um and I think like you just have to think of it as like your your like self-worth or whatever is like something that's like internally based um and like you know like if you know things like if you're like skilled and like a good person and everything um like you can kind of do whatever you want, like, in terms of, um, career. It's not, like, dependent on, like, just, like, random external factors, like, who, like, has decided that your resume seems, like, worthy of, like, an interview. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, and final, final question. Uh, if people want to find you on the internet, where shall they go? Um, I guess Twitter. Um, it's, my, my Twitter handle's, like, at Jackie H. Lou. Awesome. Well, I guess that's all. Uh, thanks for joining me today. Cool. Thank you so much.